Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for this Friday edition of the Broomfield Enterprise. My name is Elaine. Today we will be reading from the following main articles. Boulder Valley School District Board hears an update on Universal Preschool. Colorado State University Extension offers testing of soil for gardening success. A 26-year-old man has been arrested in Broomfield shooting death. The Broomfield Bird Club is to discuss the black-tailed prairie dog's role in the circle of life. Kelly Rowski writes about people and plants, and this week, hibiscus is more than just a pretty face. Boulder, Longmont, and Broomfield nonprofits all receive Daniels Fund grants, these and other articles. Triple murder case headed for retrial after Colorado Supreme Court declines to review appeal ruling. A man previously convicted in a triple murder case will get a new trial after the Colorado Supreme Court decided not to examine a Boulder District judge's ruling that his first trial was tainted by juror misconduct. Garrett Coughlin, 30, was convicted in 2019 of three counts of felony first-degree murder and one count of aggravated robbery in the shooting deaths of Wallace White, Kelly Sloat White, and Emery Fraker on April 13th of 2017 at the White's home in Coal Creek Canyon. Coughlin was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, but Coughlin's defense attorneys filed an appeal asking for a new trial alleging two jurors lied on their questionnaires. Then Boulder District Court Judge Judith Labuda granted the appeal and overturned the conviction, finding that one of the jurors deliberately and repeatedly lied or misled the court about her family's criminal history. The Boulder County District Attorney's Office appealed the decision, but it was upheld by the Colorado Court of Appeals. Prosecutors asked the Colorado Supreme Court to take up the case, but it declined to do so. On January 31st, Boulder District Judge Patrick Butler issued an order to have Coughlin returned to the Boulder County Jail. Defendant should be in the same status as a pretrial inmate and return to the custody of the Boulder County Sheriff pending an outcome to this case, Butler wrote. Records indicate Coughlin is not yet at the Boulder County Jail and for now remains at the Sterling Correctional Facility, but Coughlin does have a status conference set for Wednesday in Boulder District Court. Since Coughlin's initial trial, the murder count he was convicted on has since been downgraded to a Class II felony that would no longer carry a life sentence if he was convicted. However, prosecutors did originally also charge Coughlin with first-degree murder after deliberation, which would still carry a life sentence. The three bodies were found on April 15, 2017, in the 800 block of Divide View Drive. White and Sloat White lived at the home, and Fraker was White's brother and lived in Broomfield. An arrest affidavit stated all three suffered gunshot wounds, and investigators say they were able to tie Coughlin to the gun used in the homicides. During the investigation, detectives learned that 
guns were missing from Coughlin's mother's house, and Coughlin had departed Colorado the week after the homicides. Investigators say they tied Coughlin to the home on Divide View Drive and determined through interviews that he had shown up four hours late for work on the morning police believe the three were killed. Deputies removed 100 marijuana plants from the property during the investigation, and witnesses told investigators that they saw Coughlin with large amounts of pot packaged in a manner consistent with the marijuana owned by the victims, as well as large amounts of cash following the homicides. A 26-year-old man has been arrested in a Broomfield shooting death. Broomfield police have arrested a man in relation to a shooting death Friday evening in Broomfield. Jeremiah Bateman, 26, has been arrested and booked into the Broomfield Detention Center on one charge of manslaughter, according to a news release. Officers responded to a shooting at a home in the 3100 block of West 134th Circle just before 6 p.m. Friday. When police arrived, they found a man dead inside the home. The coroner for Broomfield and Adams counties will determine the cause of death and identify the name and age of the victim. Police do not believe there is any danger to the community, and they are continuing to investigate the circumstances around the shooting. Broomfield Bird Club to discuss the black-tailed prairie dog's role in the circle of life. On Wednesday, the Broomfield Bird Club will host a free presentation entitled Black-Tailed Prairie Dog, Essential for Colorado's Grassland Birds, where we will explore the impact that various birds, reliance, burrowing owls, raptors, hawks, mountain plovers, songbirds such as horned larks and vesper sparrows have an have on the habitat of the black-tailed prairie dog. I would think we can agree those long-legged, short-bodied burrowing owls have been a favorite photo subject for greeting cards and posters. And you can't beat those little, sometimes rarely seen, black-tailed prairie dogs for cuteness. However, without the black-tailed prairie dogs, the burrowing owls would have a hard time existing. Risa Conry, an avian researcher with the Colorado Parks and Wildlife, will be part of the presentation, showing us many photos of the various birds which rely on the rodents for nesting and foraging. Unfortunately, the plague has wiped out large amounts of colonies, and Conray will discuss plague management, reestablishing black-tailed prairie dog colonies, and restoring the circle of life. To join in, you can visit broomfieldbirdclub.com at 7 p.m. Wednesday and click on the link to join our Zoom presentation. Conry has been an avian researcher with the state since 2012. Based in Fort Collins, she focuses on grassland birds and raptors in Colorado. Before joining CPW, she worked as a wildlife biologist for Bird Conservancy of the Rockies and was a postdoctoral researcher at the U.S. Geological Survey Fort Collins Science Center. Reese obtained her bachelor's degree from Dartmouth College, her master's from the University of Montana, and her doctorate from Colorado State University. 
Stearns Lake Eagles and Avian Flu. Dana Bovee, a retired federal geologist and vice president of Front Range Nesting Bald Eagle Studies in Boulder, reported that the Stearns Lake Eagles were seen eating a deceased Canadian goose in December. The female eagle, seen as a partner to the male since 2015, went missing. Best guess is avian flu killed the goose and by eating the remains then killed the female eagle. A different female was seen with the male on January 7th. Upcoming events in a Zoom presentation at 7 p.m. March 15th, 14th rather, Peter Donlevy of Broomfield Open Space will offer instructions and protocols for reporting birds found dead on open space land from avian flu. He will also discuss Broomfield Open Space Raptor programs. The Broomfield Bird Club is a social club open to anyone interested in finding out more about birds and their habitats. We are completely an all-volunteer board and registered as a nonprofit organization. Our yearly dues are $20 per family, which is used mostly for speakers and to support bird-related local rehabs. We have presentations every second Tuesday of the month, with exceptions, and bird walks every second Saturday of the month, with intermittent walks in between. Please visit BroomfieldBirdClub.com to join and view more information. Broomfield events for the week. Sunday, Restorative Yoga and Healing Sound Journey. Rejuvenate the mind and body through the healing tones of crystal and Tibetan singing bowls, melodic chimes, and other unique instruments during this restorative yoga class designed to foster deep relaxation and calm the nervous system. Bring a yoga mat and yoga blanket or a beach towel. This will be at 3 p.m. Sunday at the Paul Durter Recreation Center at 13201 Lowell Boulevard in Broomfield. The cost is $35. On Tuesday, Geeks Who Drink Trivia Night at IHOP IPA, modeled after pub quizzes in Ireland and the United Kingdom, Geeks Who Drink is an authentic homegrown trivia quiz. Teams can have up to six players and winners get bar cash and other prizes depending on the venues. This will be 7 p.m. Tuesday at IHOP IPA, 12920 Lowell Boulevard, Unit G in Broomfield, and this event is free. Guided Group Healing. In this session, participants will receive energy through a guided healing meditation in a group format. Group leaders will guide people through a visualization and bring in a flow of energy to facilitate the intended balancing. This will be 11 a.m. Tuesday at the Healing Studio, 18 Garden Center in Broomfield, and the cost ranges between $20 and $110. Passing Hats, you can join the Passing Hats group to learn how to loom a hat on a small loom and bring a blessing to the life of someone who's battling cancer. Yarn is provided, but a loom will need to be purchased. This will be at 9.30 a.m. Tuesday at the Presbyterian Church at 350 Main Street in Broomfield. This event is free. For more information, you can phone 720-234-1473. 
On Wednesday, 100 Women Who Care quarterly meeting. 100 Women Who Care is a community of women who join together to collectively support nonprofits in Broomfield. Quarterly members gather and nominate local nonprofits, where they turn each individual $100 donation into thousands of dollars by harnessing the power of the group. This will be at 5:30 p.m. Wednesday at the Chateau at Fox Meadows, 13600 Xavier Lane in Broomfield, and the event is free. On Friday, Drum Circle, insightful inspirations, believes the practice of drumming. Gives people an opportunity to release, restore, and heal. It's a universal language where all people can participate in a space of self-discovery and expression. This will be at 6 p.m. Friday at the Healing Studio, 18 Garden Center in Broomfield, and the cost is $30. The Boulder Valley School Board hears an update on Universal Preschool. The Boulder Valley School Board heard an update Tuesday. On Universal Preschool, as the district ramps up hiring and works to help families through a new state application process, Superintendent Rob Anderson called the implementation challenging, saying the district has needed to make adjustments to its program as the state figures out how to make the program work under a tight timeline. This implementation has gone very fast, from law to action in the course of a year, he said. It's going to come with challenges. The voluntary universal preschool program, established by a new state law, approved in April, provides up to 15 hours of free preschool for four-year-olds in the fall. Parents who enroll through the program can choose from school-based programs, community-based programs, and home providers. Students must turn four by October 1st to qualify. Three-year-olds with certain qualifying at-risk factors, including those with disabilities and those from low-income families, can receive up to 10 hours of free preschool in the fall, and that group generally will be served by school districts. To better align with Universal Preschool, Boulder Valley restructured its preschool program and is moving from half days to full days. The district is offering a full day of school. Preschool on either Mondays and Thursdays, or Tuesdays and Fridays, giving families two days totaling 15 tuition-free hours a week. 15 schools, up from the five providing extended preschool care this year, will offer an additional two full days of tuition-based enrichment and an afternoon enrichment class on Wednesdays. Wednesday mornings will be used for staff collaboration. Ten schools will offer two days of preschool, but no enrichment. Another four Boulder schools won't have preschool, but will bus preschoolers to Boulder's Mapleton Early Learning, which will offer regular preschool and enrichment. For a full list of sites, go to bvsd.org. The regular classrooms and enrichment classrooms will look much the same. Using the same state-approved curriculum and providing a similar mix of learning, play, outdoor time, and rest time, according to Boulder Valley Community Schools Executive Director Renee Williams, but core instruction will happen mainly in the regular classrooms. When asked about more enrichment sites to meet the needs of working parents, Anderson responded that the district 
is looking at a multi-year rollout. The main issue, he said, is finding enough child care workers to staff those enrichment sites. We want to scale up, but we don't want to scale up and not fill the hiring spots, he said. The last thing we want to do is make promises to our community that we can't keep. Children will continue to qualify for the state's child care assistance program, Head Start, and local funding sources, which can be stacked on top of the 15 tuition-free hours to help families who need to afford more care. In Boulder Valley's model, families can use the additional hours they qualify for to cover enrichment sessions. Boulder Valley has 17 community liaisons working directly with current and new preschool families to help them get signed up. Universal Preschool enrollment started January 17th with families required to apply through the state's bridge care system. So far, Nearly 28,000 families have signed up, according to the Colorado Department of Early Childhood. Tuesday was the original deadline for families to apply to be included in the first batch of acceptances, but the state announced Tuesday afternoon that it will extend the deadline until February 24th. Families that have already applied also may edit their top five provider choices until that date because of errors in provider openings when the application opened. The state now plans to match families in the first batch with preschool programs around February 27th instead of Friday as originally planned. The matches will then go out to the school district or private preschool for approval. Once approved, the placement goes to the family for final approval around March 30th. We are really eager to get hold of that data, said Kimberly Blowman, Boulder Valley's early childhood education executive director. We are going to spend the whole spring and summer getting prepared for that launch date. Kelly Rowski writes about people and plants, and this week, hibiscus is more than just a pretty face. Being a holistic health nut, I'm always on the lookout for plants, and their potential medicinal properties. I recently bought an interesting blended tea online that included hibiscus. Then, as though the universe was saying, hello, I saw hibiscus tea at a local grocery store. This particular boxed tea boldly claimed to support heart health. Up to this point, all I knew about hibiscus was that the plants boosted and boasted large, showy flowers that were delightful eye candy. If you are a regular reader, then you know that the wheels started turning, and I just had to know more. Hibiscus has historically been used in its culinary applications and medicinal uses. First of all, there are numerous types of hibiscus, and not all are edible or used as medicine. As Hawaii state flower, Hibiscus is more than just a pretty face. Harvard Medical School shares, they say there's nothing a cup of tea can't fix, and there's some truth to that. In an online article, they share three healthy herbal teas, and our gorgeous hibiscus is one of them. Harvard State's hibiscus tea is loaded with antioxidants. It also contains potassium, calcium, magnesium, and other trace minerals in lesser amounts. 
According to Harvard, hibiscus tea provides cardiovascular benefits. It may help lower blood pressure and decrease LDL cholesterol levels. It's touted as antiviral and effective against some strains of bird flu. California State University Northridge refers to hibiscus tea as a ruby red herbal tea with a tart and refreshing flavor. In addition to the cardiovascular benefits, CSUN shares hibiscus flowers are used for loss of appetite, to dissolve phlegm as a gentle laxative and for disorders of circulation. It may also help in the treatment of depression and liver disease. Hibiscus flowers are sometimes made into tea, syrup, jam, and even stuffed fritters. The flowers can also be picked and boiled. According to the Heritage Garden, the fresh flowers have a mild flavor and a very short shelf life. Even refrigerated, they will only last for a few hours. As always, I recommend contacting your health care provider before incorporating new herbs into your diet. Herbs can interact with each other as well as with over-the-counter prescription medications. Remember, if a plant has the ability to heal you, then it may have the potential to harm you as well. Carrie Pettis, the bookwoman, reviews Andrew Miller's book, The Slow Worm's Song. The troubles hit home in The Slow Worm's Song. The text of this quiet, powerful novel is a notebook in which Stephen Rose is writing down his life memories for his adult daughter. Though they were estranged during her childhood, they have now established a cautious, careful relationship. Stephen wants her to know his history and that he loves her. The secondary story is Stephen's time in the British Army. He was stationed in Belfast during the Troubles, and something major happened during his service there. The event has colored his entire life, driven him to alcoholism, and isolated him from his family. Though he believes, quote, I was once someone others could speak well of, he no longer feels that's true. He's ashamed of the person he has become and feels deep guilt for what happened long ago in Ireland. Part explanation, part confession, part love letter, Stephen hopes that his handwritten remembrance will ease his overwhelming guilt and also help his daughter understand why he was absent from her for so many years. Beautifully written, this quiet book of human frailty and hope for redemption is worth reading. Once again, this is Andrew Miller's the Slow Worm Song, a novel. The New York Times Book Review calls it riveting in its alertness to wonder and unpredictability. Thank you for joining us for Broomfield Enterprise. My name is Elaine. AINC programming is brought to you in part by Trendware. Colorado's best full-service IT managed services and purpose-built computer device provider.